Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Titans did a spot-on impression of the Oilers and lost at the last second to the Texans. We're going to talk about that and more on this edition of The Bullpen. And welcome to the bullpen. I am James Roy. This is Tom Chavaria. And I have a new mic. That, I'll just get that out of the way right from the start. If the audio is not good, it, this is this is a test. And if it's not going well, I'm sorry. Um, but, but with that in mind, or I guess get that out of your mind, you might not be able to. But uh, the Texans beat the Oilers, or should I say the Titans dressed as the Oilers um, in epic fashion. Overtime, last second, the end of overtime. It was it was a win-win situation for the Texans in a lot of ways because it was you know win or tie. There wasn't really a way they lost at the end of that game, but Kaimi Fairbairn came through, won the game. The Texans are now in a three-way tie for first in the AFC South. How how does that feel? And looking ahead, do you think the Texans have a strong case for AFC South champions? I feel amazing. I, I just, the one thing that kills me, every intro, I died just a little bit inside because I get to see CJ to tank and it just, it just brings it all back. Like, like, I love that video. And, Do you want me and to I don't change want to, it, Tom? I, I don't want you to change it. Okay. But, but I have to like get over it and then get back to work. But it's like, we're watching it goes, man, can you imagine they won this game with neither of those guys? Like that's, that's where I'm going to start. 
When you look at the walking wounded that was the Houston Texans, for them to go into Tennessee, a team just coming off of a huge win against Miami, who looks unbeatable nine times out of ten times, the one time being that game, I don't know how they got it. And then from where they came, the way the game started, I don't know how they got it done. I'm super proud, super pumped of this team. I cannot wait till the boys get healthy, as healthy as they can. Because, I mean, there's just so much grit and grind with this team. I don't want to steal the Memphis Grizzlies, like, M.O. I mean, they're not that anymore. But that's what I think of when I think of the Texans. They just, they're very gritty and they grind out these wins that they probably shouldn't have had. And they're in a great position to, A, win a division and, B, make the playoffs. I I 100% agree. And side note, I lived in Memphis for, like, most of the grit and grind era. So... That city takes that really seriously, and I think to some extent still feels like they have that. Uh, they may be the second coming with John ja Morant, but there, there's all kinds going. Where well, this isn't a basketball podcast, so I'm going to leave it at that. Um, but the this when it, it it comes with the theme, or it's in line with the theme of the season for the Texans, which is just, hey guys, let's make this win as stressful as possible. There's that one meme where it's like, hey, look, I'm going to watch my favorite football team play. I I want to die. And then, oh, wow, the Texans won. Um, do you think that that... I, I may have asked you this question before, but I'm going to ask it again. Do you think that that watching this game gives you a lot of confidence in what the Texans will look like, even with, with CJ and Nico back going into a playoff game? Watching this game and watching this team all season long gives me utmost confidence in that utmost confidence in what they're building. You think about some of the great teams, the Patriots when they were at their height, the Chiefs when they were at their height. They won games like this. They won games they weren't supposed to win. They won games without guys. And then you look up and here they are in a postseason, you know, playing somebody tooth and nail. And and this experience is so invaluable. Being on the right side of it, it just makes you feel like, hey, we can do this. Hey, we've been there. Those are things that you can't like, you can't coach, you can't teach. You have to experience, you have to go through those wars and come out the other side. And for the Texans to be able to do it in year one of this, if you still want to call it a rebuild, I can't tell you how valuable I feel like this experience is for them going forward, for the team, for the coaching staff, for everybody to just have that, you know, that, uh, intestinal fortitude, if you will, to be able to come out on the other side of these games where the fan base is just stressed out the entire time, you know, knees tapping, you know, nail biting the whole way through and, and really just hoping that they get it done. But now I think as we go forward, you're going to see fans go, nah, we, this is, this has been all season. We're good. Down three, three minutes left, fourth quarter. Where's James Roy with his patented uh, storybook ending? We're good. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. And and just to speak to this team's resilience, we talked about it this past week. And, and I said, you know, there's only so far next man up can go. You know, CJ is a huge loss. And, you know, how does this team look? Um, and, and, to the credit of those on on Twitter that were saying this, there was a lot of people that were like, guys, we're playing the Titans. Why are we giving them that much respect? And I don't feel like I was respecting the Titans 
so much as just trying to be realistic about what the Texans were bringing to the table. It's not really a disservice to either team to say that in a division matchup, regardless of who's there or not, there's reason for concern on if you can win just based off of the, that rivalry and the any given Sunday atmosphere in the division. But to that point, I think maybe everyone, myself included, may have um, overstated the loss of C.J. Stroud to the offense. That's not to say that he wasn't missed. Case Keenum just you know game managed and, and against a better opponent like the Texans will face next week. And if you want to tune in later this week, we're going to talk about the Texans matchup with the Browns. Um, I, I think C.J. coming back next week is going to be super important. But for a game against the Titans, Case Keenum did enough. Now let's talk about let's talk about the offense. Noah Brown. That's what I want to talk about first, um, because a lot of there was a lot of talk about it being flash in the pan. You know, oh, 250 yard receiving games. Noah Brown. You know, he does that sometimes. Um, do you think that's still the case? Can we say that he does that sometimes, or maybe it was a recovery from injury? Because Noah Brown was the lifeblood of this receiving room today, and, and one of the big reasons that the Texans ended up winning the game. I think when you look at skill positions and soft tissue injuries, they just take a long time for those guys. They're so athletic and and so shifty that when you have a hamstring to a wide receiver, it's really easy to go, oh, that was just a flash in the pan and not realize that it takes them a long time to get back into top flight game shape. And I think that's really what happened with Noah Brown. When you look at the way he played this game, um, I, I want to say he was still somewhat limited throughout practice or whatever leading up into the game, but then went and he looked like exactly like the dude that was ripping off 100-yard games week after week when some of the other guys were down. And I really feel like when you saw some of the routes that he ran, if you watch the game, I think this guy can be a legit number two if, if, if they're not moving on from him to look for bigger and better. I really like the, the, the way he presented himself made a big, huge target for Case Keenum and really became his security blanket. He went to him anytime he needed a big play. One thing I'll say about Noah Brown, I loved what he did, and I do think that he made strides to improve. I I hate looking back on games that went horribly, but one thing that I will say I noticed is, is that his separation in this game um, against a, a not good Titan secondary was probably a lot of what helped Case find him. Whereas last week against the Jets, um, it felt like every time he was targeted that a defender was right there. So I think his his performance last week can probably be written off to the Jets defense. And I'm interested to see how he looks, whether or not Nico's available next week against the, the Browns in a defense that has shown to be really good, if he can get that separation and continue to perform. Because if he doesn't, I think that's just indicative of him not being able to perform against good defenses. Would would you agree or disagree with that statement? I mean, next week is a huge test. You're going to know a lot about this football team with what they're able to do with the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns have been a top flight defense all season long. They've had a similar deal with all their injuries and their defense has just been rock solid. So if they can move the football against this defense, which some of the better teams that they've played San Francisco, to name one, has not been able to move the football that well. It's going to say a lot about what, uh, I guess, Bobby Slowick and and that receiving core and whoever lines up under center is doing with this offense. Yeah, um, I I agree with you, I 100%. Now, 
Looking at other receivers in this receiving core, we, we don't really get much. You can say that Xavier Hutchinson moved the ball more through penalties than most other receivers did just through receptions um, with those two PIs that he drew. But looking at the tight end position in Dalton Schultz, first half kind of went ghost. I think he had one target. It was a little overthrown. Um, second half, Dalton Schultz was also a very key part to winning this game. And I, I'm going to mention it because it's really the most notable part of his performance. Um, he literally saved an interception. Case Keenum's stat line goes from like 230 yards, a touchdown and an interception to, you know, 200 and 220 yards and uh, two interceptions on, on that play alone. Like what, what do you make of that? I've watched it from several angles and honestly, just, I don't know how he came up with the ball. What I take from that play is the Houston Texans need to extend Dalton Schultz long-term, lock this guy up. He he just he just wanted it more. Like when you saw that play, it was an interception until Dalton said Dalton Schultz and he tweeted it out. You thought and he went he he went and stole the ball. So <laughs> that right there, I love I love everything about the play. Love everything about him as a receiving option from the tight end spot. I think as 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 talented as Ferguson is for Dallas, I think they made a mistake letting Dalton Schultz get out of town, and I think it's going to be to the Texans' benefit if they're able to extend him long-term. I think he played great. I, I, I can't complain about the targets he didn't get if, if we're, we're talking about drop balls or stuff like that. But when they when they found him, he was a chain mover. And I think in this offense, that spot's going to be so key because you got guys that can stretch the field in Tank Dell and Nico. When you've got that intermediate threat in Dalton, psh, the sky's the limit for this group, and I think he needs to be a permanent fixture, at least at least for the next two, three years, whatever, of this Texan team. There are some big names going into free agency this year. Dalton Schultz is one of them. The other one's Kaimi Fairbairn, uh, Devin Singletary, uh, and there's one other one that's eluding me. Uh, Jonathan Grenard. Jonathan, those are four big names that are going to be free agents this offseason. Just because it's related, I want to ask you, and I'm going to segue into our discussion of uh, Devin Singletary's day. Of those four players, which two, assuming there's only two we can resign, I mean, I don't know how they're going to work the cap, but which two are the most vital resignings of that group? For me, it has to be Jonathan Grenard and Devin, or not Devin Singletary, Dalton Schultz. I think I would love to keep Devin Singletary long term. However, he may come at a cost that I don't want to pay for a 27, I think, 27, 28 year old running back. You know, when they hit 30, that's the 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 number. Yeah, yeah, it's over. So I mean, you tweeted out during the game, you know, what's what's the running back uh draft situation looking like? And then it's almost like Devin Singletary heard you and went ham after. Because I wanted to tweet back at you, and I was like, nah, nah, I'll leave it alone. I won't, I won't mess with it. Singletary I, answered it funny. for him. I got some flack for that tweet, and I'll agree with you. Devin Singletary's up there, and, and I think he's a good option at the right price. Um, that tweet was not directed at Devin Singletary. Um, it, was, it was basically uh, spawned from a tweet I saw from John Crumpler that said, you know it's kind of awful at, when your running back room is this thin, that Dare Obungawale is taking meaningful passing or pass catching snaps um, this early in a football game. 
And so I, playing off that, looked and was like, Damian Pierce has kind of you know, not jived with this offense. I don't think it's a skill-level thing. I think it's just this offense and, and some poor O-line play early on. And then Dario Bungawale and, and Mike Boone, sure. But like there has to be a move to get some depth in there. I would assume you're bringing back Devin Singletary if the price is right. You just have to find someone to... Um, you know, when you look at a running back rooms that are good, that are three headed, two headed monsters, one of the guys at least is a gadget guy. And all of our gadget guys in that room just aren't exceptionally great at the things they come in to do. Um, looking at like, you know, a Chris Johnson and Lendale white, since we're talking about the Titans where you have like, you know, Chris Johnson, CJ two K, you know, Burnham put, put it under and then Lendale white, you know, it's third and one who you turn to Lendale white, you know, so Looking for the Lendale White to what Devin Singletary is, um, and I'm not saying Len, you know Devin Singletary is Chris Johnson, but he's played exceptionally well outside the tackles, and I think that finding that bruiser that we want Damian Pierce to be would be beneficial. Um, looking looking at the free agent signings, though, I can't not feature Kaimi Fairbairn in in that list of two that are most important. It's hard. You just like to say his name. His whole name. I love it. I, I wish I could say the whole name. I, I type it out a lot. I feel like it's Patrick Storm's bit. And Patrick, if you're listening, I I, I, I didn't mean to steal that from you. Um, I, I'll, I'll give credit where credit's due. That's all you. Um, but looking at that list, so to me, Fairbairn's a lock. After what we saw from Amendola and, and how many close games, I'd say we lost out on two wins just by not having Kaimi Fairbairn on the team for those that stretch. I... I could say that at least one with confidence two definitely is a possibility. So I have to believe that he's one of the re-signings. He's one of the 10 most accurate kickers in NFL history. I'd have trouble believing they let him walk, especially after how much his value showed in that stretch where he was out. Um, I have mad love for Jonathan Grenard. I, I have trouble believing the Texans don't need him to be on the team because at worst case, if he, produces at the level he did when he led the team in sacks with eight sacks a few years back like that to me is 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 needed in this in this d-line that we've talked about the interior needs help people have said there needs to be depth in the pass rushing game and we picked up Derek barnett who showed up you know that i think that it'd be a crime to let jonathan grenard a known commodity walk so if i'm picking I think the tight end position is a little easier to tinker with. I don't want to say that Dalton Schultz is not valuable. I, if I could pick, I'd pick three and I would just, you know, Devin Singletary would be the odd man out, but I think all four have a case to be resigned to the team. Um, and if I'm, if I'm saying it right now, I'm going Fairbairn and Grenard for sure. That's from my end. Um, but that segues into our next discussion, which is Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary had a game. We already talked briefly about how my tweet motivated him to have a good game. I'll take full credit for that. Um, make sure if you want to Venmo me for my contributions. To, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but Singletary is great, and, and we've seen it all year. I know that your boy Dam- Damian Pierce, as I always refer to him as, we I, we both want him to be really good. I want to speak to that when you're done. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll hand it to you here in a second. Um, uh, Devin Singletary, 120 yards rushing. Do you think he was the most valuable performance today, or do you think that there was another play, another player that stood out more to you? I mean, you spoke about Kaimi Fairbairn. I don't know how you win that game without him because they had to kick all those field goals. 53 um, and 54 yards is where I put Kaimi on the list as the MVP. I, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to look away from that. 
Singletary definitely, if, if it's not one and one A, I, I really can't say enough about Singletary because, I mean, he made some amazing runs, um, really shifty cuts. I mean, I, I thought that the Texans blocked really well for him. I, I know nobody's going to want to hear that, but there were some there were some holes that they opened, and and, and that'll let, let me segue into the the, the Damian Pierce stuff. I don't think that I don't think that he's not the bruiser that the Texans need. They've not asked him to do that. It's not been a third and one, and they needed one yard, and they brought him in. We're talking about Dario Bungawale being on the field because it's third and fifteen, because it's it's not a, it's not a short yard situation. They were penalized a ton. I think that. Singletary got the, the early down work and rightfully so, but the, the late down work was all behind the behind the sticks. So where do you where do you put Pierce? People want to point the finger, but it's like I don't know what he was supposed to do if you want that guy, the the you know, the short yardage guy, the 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 bruiser, that the game didn't call for it. So I get it. We didn't call his name, so that therefore he must not be good. But it's, I think that he's got a niche in this offense, I think. And if they need it, they'll use him. Right now, they play behind the sticks a lot. The The, the offensive line gets penalized a, a lot lately for holds and, and offsides and stuff like that. So even with CJ back there, it's second and 10. It's third and seven. It's not second and two or third and one where you can use them. And I... I feel like he's getting a, a a bum rap on the thing. Guess how many snaps Damian Pierce played on Sunday? Lower, it's one. Damian Pierce played one snap against the Titans. And I think that's indicative of the, you know, Bobby Slowick or somewhere in the Texans organization, they've realized that maybe he doesn't fit what they want to do. I don't, and like I said, I don't think it's a talent thing. I don't think that, da- I think Damian, people are going to be frustrated if Damian Pierce makes his way out of Houston, because he's going to perform well wherever he goes, but it's just a matter of not adjusting to fit what his strengths are and make them work in this offensive scheme, I would say, personally. But I will say this. I don't necessarily, and I've seen this on Twitter too, I've seen this around in some different places, I don't necessarily always agree with Bobby Slug's player uh, a selection for some of these plays. I believe Damian Pierce could be great in pass pro. I believe if you were going to give Singletary a blow and you wanted to use uh, Damian Pierce to pass protect, so be it. Do that. You just don't have to not use him because, okay, I don't want to throw him the football or I'm not going to hand him the ball on first down. I think sometimes when we talked about the tank Dell thing, I didn't necessarily agree with the player personnel there. You know, when, when we talk about using Dare on third down, if it's third and 22 and you're going to run a, a, a draw anyway, they probably should have used him a couple times. It would have like kept uh, Devin Singletary's legs fresh. Now, it didn't matter. The win, the win is the win. We're good. On to the next week. We'll probably see more Damian Pierce next week. I, I think that the Cleveland defense is stout, but I think that they're going to try to run on this team to protect whoever's behind center under center. And I think we're probably going to get, you know, 10 carries for Damian Pierce next week. I have to agree with you. I think that they, I don't think they're done with him. I think that his usage against the Titans was, as you said, more a product of, of field position. 
Um, and so we'll probably see a little more of him. And thank God, since you'll be there. Um, <laughs> but you bring up Case Keenum or whoever's going to be behind center, but Case Keenum played this past week, and Case had a great game. I, I thought it went incredibly well. Um, or I, I shouldn't say like um, it wasn't amazing. It was just a great game. Um, it had its its rough start, and I think it was probably uh, about half a quarter into the game before Davis Mills's name was trending on Twitter, which is probably a record for the backup quarterback trending on any team ever. I don't know, um, but I, to me, you have to see it through. And I, I was I said that all all Sunday. You know, I was someone who thought Davis Mills was going to start, but like if you've chosen to start Case Keenum, you have to see it through at least a half. And give him time to settle in, and and they did, and they liked what they saw, and they sent him back out in the second half, and and it was to their benefit. The Texans definitely made the right call, um, and we we got to see our our small sample of Davis Mills late in the game, um, not exactly what I thought I was going to see. I, I think it was the right call putting him in there. He, Keenum's arm strength was shown a couple plays prior on a deep pass to Noah Brown, and um, in that situation. You definitely want to go with the guy who has more arm strength. But looking at what Keenum did, what what grade would you give him, and how important do you think he was relative to Davis Mills, or what we might have gotten from Davis Mills in you know this game? First off, I feel for Davis Mills because he was in an impossible situation. Hey, go in there and throw hail mary, <laughs> and you like you want this thing to be the one ball I throw all day. I need this to be perfect and. The he line didn't back. do, yeah. Ugh. The the line didn't do him any favors. He was running for his life immediately, and it's like four four man rush, and it's just like, so of course social media went for him. Twitter came for him. It was like, well, no wonder he didn't play. But those same people, those same people, when Case throws the pick six, are going, put in Davis Mills, put in Davis Mills, and they were a little quiet towards the end of the game. I'd give Case a solid C. I don't think that, you know, I don't think it went bad, but I don't think it went well either. I mean, there was there was plays that he missed. There was throws. Obviously, the pick six was, up, you know, right at the guy. I mean, uh, he walks it in. Now, do you think on that pick six that, that it was on him or that it was on Dare? Because it looked like Case was looking for a certain route and that Dare cut the wrong way. Some might say, I don't know. I don't know what actually happened on that play. I'm still trying to understand why Dari was in there. <laughs> that's that's the goes back to that personnel thing. Like the last thing I need is my third string quarterback throwing to my third string running back on third and ten. You know what I mean? I, I probably need to go to a guy that's at the top of the uh, uh, top of the depth chart or whatever. And um, that play was just doomed from get go. I'm sure. Dari was probably going the wrong way, and I'm sure that he would tell you, no, 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 75x out, read whatever, blah, 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 is to the, is to the middle of the field, and then Case would be like, oh my bad, you know, how many times has he ran it? They're both going to have the same argument, you know, it's just tough, so tough. And I watched that, and I saw that, and I'm like, this is going to be a long day, this is going to be ugly, and then they just grinded it out. And now from that point on, it was all Texans, and it was just great game i agree with you on the c i think the only two plays that redeem that though and make it a c c plus range grade are the two plays back to back to set up the texans you know to go into overtime between that that scramble and pass to dalton schultz which 
honestly, that was an ill-advised throw that Dalton saved him on. And then the scramble to throw the pass to um, Noah Brown for the touchdown were both, you know, plays that I think the results helped Keenum's grade out. Um, I think at the end of the day, he was asked to do a lot. Since 2014, he's 3-0 as a Texan starting quarterback, though. So, I mean, he's ready made for it. Let's not talk about 2013, though. Um, <laughs> it's wild that he played in 2013. That was his rookie year. Eight losses, didn't get a single win. That that disappointed me. I remember that because I, much like anyone, wanted Case Keenum to be be that guy for the Texans. Um, but I'm glad that he's gotten a chance to like actually do that now and, and be an important part of, of what has been one of the better seasons in recent Texans history. Um, and one of those reasons, whether people want to believe it or not, is the improvement to the Texans' run defense. And that's what I want to talk about next. Um, you talked about how Kaimi Fairbairn is is you know with the field goals that were made the bar none MVP. Um, there's not a, another singular player on the field that has a strong case outside of you know, you know depending on who you ask Devin Singletary maybe a couple of the defensive players. But if there was one entity that has a case for MVP as a whole, it's the defense. The defense locked down the Titans, which admittedly is not hard to do. They're the twenty they were the twenty seventh ranked offense going into this game. But they did it nonetheless. They swarmed. They got to Will Levis. You know, Derek Stingley had some important stops and also bailed out Jalen Petrie a couple of times. Petrie redeemed himself a couple of times. What do, what do you make of this defensive performance? Is it a product of, of the team that the Texans were playing? Or do you think that this defense is, is getting geared up to be that defense that it needs to be for a postseason run? Simply, I think it's a, just a... It's it's a what's the word I'm looking for? It's a picture of their leader. You know what I mean? They are going as D'Amico Ryan's is going, and I mean he is just making them believe in themselves. He's coaching them up. You look at some of the guys that come in. Jimmy Ward went down like on the third play, and and all they did was 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 bring another guy in and lock up. You know, I mean this this had no. Um, uh, they're 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 missing so many players. They're missing Cashman, you know, who's been so good, one of the leading tacklers on the team. Uh, Grenard was on an island by himself because on the other side of the football, his 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 Robin to his Batman or Batman to his Robin was out. So you you start looking at these things and it's just like it's unbelievable. And they potentially got better. They claimed. Did you hear? Did you hear about the waiver claim they made? They made it was um t- a tart right. Tier Tart, yeah. yeah. So defensive tackle position need, I think that that's that's great. You know what I mean? This guy was a freak athlete for the Titans. You know, stud for a little bit, and then supposedly was unmotivated, gets cut. So who better to motivate him than D'Amico Ryan's? Everybody they picked up off the street has been good. Des King, Des King was on the couch. I, I would argue my my Jai Sanders. I believe I said that right. Who who stepped in and played a lot of the snaps that Will Anderson would have played? Um, I, I didn't do. I didn't think he did bad. He occupied space, but he he was not getting around or getting in there, getting much done from what I saw. But no, for the most part, yeah, all the players they pick up off the street, they're elevated. I mean, Derek Barnett on the, the flip side of that had a sack. You know, John Grenard is is sixth on the all time list for uh, Texan sacks, or sorry, fifth. Yeah. J.J. Watt has three of those, and one of them is like Mario Williams for seasons as a, as a sack, you know, 
getter for the Texans. So in- incredible to see that that begs the question: How do you think D'Amico Ryan's uh, Coach of the Year case is looking right now? Man, there's some really good coaches out there, and I hate that for him because in any other season, it's like runaway. But when you look what Dan Campbell's doing in, in, in Detroit and how bad that team's been for however many decades, like they're going to win that division, which they never win. It's going to be tough. He's like right there. Like I think Vegas has him as like the third best odds. It's like Campbell. And then I think it's, uh, who's the other one? I think it's the, the, the coach for the Eagles. I think. Oh, uh, oh, geez. As soon as you said it, I immediately lost track of what his yeah. name is. And then but. it's D'Amico and then Shane Steichen and then somebody else. Steichen's made a great case. And, and that's the reason why the last game of the season could very well be the Texans playing to be in the playoffs. Like that could very well be the case. So I hope you're wrong, but it could I be. hope so too. I'd hate to go to Indianapolis, a place where the Texans have historically played awful and try and play uh, what should be an awful Indianapolis team and try and get the win. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're talking about Texans Titans right now. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think the difference for me is that Dan Campbell last year, he, he took steps to get his team ready and D'Amico Ryans came in, granted, with a lot better, you know, you know, whether people wanted to admit it or not, the draft position, the capital, free everything that was going on when he took over the Texans was in his favor. But D'Amico has taken a team that was projected to win five and a half games. D'Amico has, in one season, turned a team that was the second worst in the league to a potential playoff. I think if the Texans make the playoffs, D'Amico has a stronger case than Dan Campbell based off of circumstance. But I think... Dan Campbell's been kind of set up to win that award for so long that this is his payout year. So it's just, like you said, it's bad timing. I think that any other year, D'Amico Ryans clearly wins coach of the year. Um, but you know, like I said, are, were we really concerned about that or do we want to go out in there and, and win some playoff games? Let's get to the playoffs first. D'Amico would tell you that he could care less about those awards. CJ 100%. would tell you that he could care less about those awards. Like they just want to get better every day. And I believe that if it's not this year, it'll be next year or the year after that. I can't see this team really regressing because you're just adding more talent around uh, incredible talent already. And they're going to have tons of money to spend. So like, you know, T. Higgins is a free agent out there. If you needed a one and you watched Cincinnati play this past week, T. Higgins could be that dude. I would venture to say, and, and this is the last thing I'll say before we try and kind of bring it to a close, but T. Higgins, um, lo- love him. I've had him in, in Dynasty Fantasy for a while, but with his injury history and with the ease that he's had to play the position relative to having Jamar Chase on his team, I'm not fully sold on him as a wide receiver one. I do think he'd be great for the Texans um, just as a compliment with, you know, Nico being, being a one, a one B kind of thing going on there. Um, Cause he'd have that draw from the other side to kind of help him out or maybe on another team that has, or I don't know if he got sent and packed up and sent to the chiefs. I, I don't know how that goes with him being the only guy like, I don't know. It, Pat Mahomes is throwing to garbage cans at this point, though. So I like that kid, Rashi Rice. I think he's going to be good. I think he, yeah, no, he has potential. But like Kadarius Tooney, like I don't. Know, there's, there's Travis Kelsey's falling off a little bit. I think he can still recover. I think he's just going having a bad stretch. But 
I don't know, man. I, yeah, I'm, I thank God that the Texans wide receiver room is a lot better than people thought it was going to be that the potential panned out because that's what it was. It went from potential to like a, a kinetic wide receiver room for all my science nerds out there. Um, but yeah, Tom, any last thoughts before we close out this episode? I just want to say it was an amazing win. I, I can't believe that the Texans are where they are right now. I mean, yes, they've lost some bad games, but they've won some really good ones. And I mean, if you just said beginning of the season, if you just said halfway through the season, they're going to be eight and six and tied for the division lead this in December, I would have said whatever drugs you're using, you should probably stop because it's bad for your health. There's no way I saw them doing what they're doing right now. So uh, I'm just enjoying all of this. This is awesome. I, I can't express a, as enough how cool it is to have quality football back in Houston. You know, I know, I know it seems like forever, but I mean, I'm, I'm ready for it now. I, I'm ready for it too, and I didn't even endure the Oilers. I'm just here, a fresh-faced t- Texans fan from day one that is just ready to see them finally realize the potential that they've had at several points in the history of the franchise. So I'm I'm here for it. I'm here. I, I'm also here for the beating of the Titans in the Oilers uniforms. I, I may not have a deep connection to the Oilers as of an organization or as you know their history, but at, you know seeing that storyline play out. I'm a I'm a football fan. Obviously, it was nice to see. Um, so yeah. All right. Um, you can find Tom at third coast Tom on X. I am at M one Texans fan on all my social media. There's plenty of it. I don't, I'm not going to mention all of it. And that's also how you can find the YouTube channel. If you're not watching or if you're listening or if you're, if you are watching, you can listen on Apple podcasts or Spotify. Um, if you would like to do it that way on your drive into work instead of watching it on your phone. So that, yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Um, And we appreciate y'all showing up and supporting the podcast. So until next time, vamos Texans. Thanks for tuning into The Bullpen, a Texans podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network. Please like, comment, subscribe, and follow along for more Texans talk from The Bullpen. Pick the handle. Stroud. 